I think that's one of the things with the crowdfunding, once you start to get a sense of how invested people are in it, that actually they sort of voluntarily um, donate money to the podcast. Um, but it also financially gives you the ability to start um, investing in things. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Welcome to another episode of Podcasting Smarter. I'm your host, Jennifer Crawford, and today we are talking to Graham Duke from the Rex Factor podcast. Rex Factor is a lighthearted and informative history podcast where Graham and Allie review all the kings and queens of England and Scotland and determine if they have the mark of greatness, known as the Rex Factor. Graham is joining me today on Podcasting Smarter, and he is going to help us reign over our podcasting kingdoms. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter. Smarter, Graham Duke. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, this is wonderful. Um, I have listened to your podcast. I really like it because, like you said, it is a combination of education and enterta- entertainment. So it's edutainment, I think yeah. is the term. <laughs> how would um, how would you describe your show to somebody in order to like compel them to listen for the first time? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably quite a good way of describing it. I think um, to people in the UK we've described it as kind of like a cross between top trumps and horrible histories I'm not sure if either or both of those are references that will be uh, successful across the pond but uh, top trumps is a game where you score certain things on a number of different factors which is what we do with our kings and queens so we look at them at sort of how good they are in battle how good they are at creating scandal and how well they rule um, but also it's quite light-hearted we try not to be too serious about it which is the horrible histories reference which is a sort of sketch show historical sketch show in this country and uh, yeah so we try to mix um research which uh, is what i do and ali chips in with sort of comments and funny observations so he doesn't do any of the research so he's like the uh, the listener he's listening thinking about what sort of questions people might want to know and uh yeah I'm glad you mentioned the research because that was something that I wondered about when I was listening. There must be an incredible amount of research for every episode. So what does that look like? What is that process for you? Yeah, it varies uh, depending on the monarch. So it's one of those where at the start of the series where we go back quite a long way. So for England, we started with Alfred the Great, who was king in the 870s. there's not quite so much information. So for that, there are maybe a few books that have been written, or it might be a few chapters in a few books, so it's not too onerous. Uh, But once you start getting later and later, so if you get to somebody like Henry VIII, who's uh, very popular, lots and lots of books written about him, or even later, someone like Queen Victoria, who wrote lots of letters, lots and lots of diaries, um, it becomes quite overwhelming, actually. So I have to try and sort of look through what what I need really so what I tend to do is pick a few sort of shorter books maybe or a few little chapters just to give me a sense of the overview of the reign and what's the basic story the narrative that I'm going to be telling and then I go to the biographies and maybe try and pick out a bit more analysis on a few things or try and get bits of their character uh, which I think people are interested in because I think fundamentally it's a biographical podcast we're interested in who the monarchs were what made them tick what sort of funny 
escapades they got up to. But uh, yeah, it can be quite a lot of work once you start to get to the later monarchs. It sounds like it. Do you feel like you get to know them on a, a more a personal level after reading so much about them? Yeah, you can do. Yeah, particularly once you start to get um, some more sort of personal information. I think it's a bit harder for some of the early monarchs. So our, our second series, we're doing the Kings and Queens of Scots. And for the early episodes, it's quite hard to really get much personal out of them at all. But yeah, it is nice once you start to get little anecdotes into their characters. Um, you do sort of start to feel a bit sort of close to them. It's quite sad, actually, once you rec- you spend a lot of time doing the research and then actually it's all just for that one recording and then you have to sort of drop them and move on to the next person. <laughs> That's true. It's interesting how a tiny little fact or tidbit will tell you so much about a monarch. I was listening to the Edgar episode in your second season, yeah. and just that that story about the elephant yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact that he didn't have children. I thought those two things I I felt were really telling of him. It told us a lot. Yeah, and it's um, yeah. So the the elephant story, which um. Yeah, it's probably one of my favourite things from the Scottish series so far is that I mean, his episode is one where there's not a great deal of information about him and not all of the books reference this one story that I just sort of found somewhere and suddenly there was this story about him giving the King of Ireland an elephant and you think, well, where on earth did you know King of Scotland in the sort of 11th century find <laughs> find an elephant? What was he doing with it? How did they feed it? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice when you get these little little facts that maybe don't appear everywhere. And if you're listening to the podcast, even you know a bit about the king, you might not actually have found out the elephant fact. So it's good to get little things like that in there. Yeah. And what did the king of Scotland do with the elephant? Was this one of these gifts that you're like, oh, geez, I need to re-gift this, but it's a little difficult because <laughs> this, this gift weighs a ton. <laughs> yeah. So you sort of think, oh, this, yeah, I'm going to have to find someone to uh, to palm this off onto. Um, unfortunately, we just don't know. That's a, that's almost, yeah. I, mean, I quite like that, the fact that we don't know. It just appears that there's an elephant and he gave it to the king of Ireland. We don't quite know how he got it. Possibly it might have been a gift from the English king, Henry I, because we know he had his own sort of personal uh, menagerie and people had been to the crusades at this point so maybe they brought back on presumably pretty large ships uh, these elephants but yeah we don't we just don't know somehow he had an elephant and then he gave it away <laughs> it's fun because you can fill in the gaps with your imagination and you you guys definitely do that <laughs> yeah i think that's um that's one of the benefits i suppose when there's not a lot of information there that you do have a bit more scope to uh, to play with it so i think one of one of the episodes which could have been very challenging because there was almost no information was a chap called Ieth, um, which is spelled A-E-D. And pretty much the main source of the reign simply says uh, the shortness of his reign bequeathed nothing memorable to history. Which uh, He's definitely not going to have the Rex factor, it sounds like. Yes, no spoilers, but he didn't do particularly <laughs> well. But what we, he's probably, weirdly, going to be one of the ones that people remember because we sort of set up a Twitter campaign, hashtag Remember Ieth. So uh, oh. we, every now and again, when people listen to the episode, we just get that message sent back to us. So he had an incredibly short reign, but he's probably going to be one of the ones that people actually remember. So that I, I was going to ask you something else next, but because you mentioned the hashtag and how you're using it in mm. connection with your show, I wanted to really delve into how you built your community around your podcast, because I hear you reading you know, messages from your listeners and, and you're getting them involved in crowdfunding. And it seems like you have a very loyal fandom 
Yeah, it was very gradual, really. We didn't have any particular uh, social media strategy when we started off. But the way that we operate at the moment is that I run our Twitter account and Ali, who isn't here today, does uh, the Facebook page. And it just sort of built gradually. So on Twitter, I sort of try to share sort of any interesting history stories that I see in the news, um, things coming up maybe that we're going to be recording and stuff like that. And then gradually you start to build either people who listen to the podcast and get in touch with you on Twitter as a result, or just actually people who are just on Twitter and into history and might not even have listened to the podcast but see the tweets. Um, then on Facebook, Ali does a similar kind of thing, and we have emails and a, a, a blog as well, which people message into. And yeah, it's really lovely, actually, the way that sort of over time, I guess if people like one episode, they're probably going to like the other ones as well. So yeah, as you say, people keep on listening, keep on sending their messages in. So we try to sort of include some of those um, when we have time in the podcast. And it kind of creates running jokes and themes as well. So sort of one of the things we always get messages about is uh, an English king who was called uh, Edgar, Edgar the Peaceable. And it was one of our earliest episodes. And Ali quite controversially didn't give Edgar uh, the Rex Factor. So ah. this was oof, years and years ago now, I mean, 2010 when we started doing it. And because people come to it later, we still years and years later keep getting these messages so when we set up the crowdfunding um with podbeam the first goal that we set was that ali would do a sort of act of homage an apology to edgar if we got to a certain a certain amount so we got to that quite quickly so we filmed a video that we put on youtube and shared with people of ali apologizing uh, to me dressed as edgar the peaceable I love that. It's so fun and creative and playful. It makes it fun for your audience to be involved with your podcast on a different level beyond just listening to the audio. And when they're checking in on your website and on your social media, I think that's great. I think there's a, a very valuable lesson that all podcasters can take from that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something we probably like to do more of. And I think that's one of the things with the crowdfunding, once you start to get a sense of how invested people are in it that actually they sort of voluntarily um, donate money to the podcast um, but it also financially gives you the ability to start um, investing in things so we've got sort of new microphones and sound equipment and we're thinking about maybe trying to do a bit more with YouTube and maybe getting a, a sort of a proper camera and actually doing a few more videos like that so that we can be a bit more responsive outside of just the normal podcast that we do there are other things that if you're into Rex Factor there's going to be more things for you to to enjoy. Exciting. Is that why you started crowdfunding to give your give both of you the freedom to do more with your show? Yeah, cuz when um we sort of we were quite slow to take up I think um just to get all, any kind of donation. We were quite maybe a bit British about it and thinking oh we shouldn't really be asking for this. It'd be, be a bit odd to ask people for money. Um and people actually would almost message us and say oh is there a way that we could uh, donate? Um, but yeah, so once that became an option, we one of the things certainly for us was the sound quality. It was something we'd got messages about right from the off that it was maybe a bit too quiet or it was you know, not the best of sound. So um, yeah, so being able to invest in initially microphones, but then the research that we do, just covering all of our costs, and then thinking, well, actually, we could invest more and we could do more things. So yeah, I think the more that people are into the podcast the more that you put in yourself it kind of is a a cycle that sort of pushes each each up really so yeah so hopefully there's more stuff that we can do 
because people want us to do more. Yeah, it was interesting that you brought up the fact that you felt a little weird asking people for money. I've heard that before. How how did you get over it? Was it was it because the fans were asking to support you? Is was that how you got over that men, that mental hump of oh, I, I don't want to beg for money? Yeah, I think partly that people were actually asking us. Um, also, sort of maybe some other podcasts that I listened to and hearing them mentioning about donations and thinking, oh, okay, maybe this is actually a thing that people do. Um, yeah, and then we, I guess we just sort of put it out there and it was just an option and voluntary. And then once people had actually started to be donating, um, then I think when Podbean started doing the crowdfunding, it then didn't feel like quite such an odd thing to do because we knew that people were, some people were interested. And I think um, having having sort of the goals there and having rewards that you could give to people gives a, an opportunity to create a sense of community. So something that we've done is that anyone that becomes a patron through the crowdfunding, we've dubbed them uh, the Rex Factor Privy Council um, for another sort of royal reference. So again, it just sort of helps to create a sense that they're part of something. So it's not just a, a money-grabbing thing. It's also acknowledging that people who are dedicated fans are part of it. I think that is super great. I mean, it, it it's consistent with your branding, the Privy Council. Like, who wouldn't want to be part of a Privy Council? Exactly. And you know, I by by getting a little st- skin in the game, if I donate to your to your podcast, I'm part of the community. I'm also more inclined to tell a friend about it because it's something that I'm investing in, so to speak. Yeah. So I think that's smart from <clears throat> both sides. Smart as a listener to invest in the shows that you love and smart for podcasts to realize that when you have some financial support, you can improve your product and grow your audience even more and serve your audience better. Hmm. Yeah, and um, another thing it's um, done for us actually, which is quite nice, is that we um, the top goal that we've sort of not goal, sorry, the top um, reward that we've got on offer for people is that they can actually commission a special episode um, on the subject of their choice, um, or sort of within reason, hopefully vaguely historical. Um, so we've now started doing that using the sort of premium podcasting feature with uh, Podbean. So we've got special episodes on uh, the Battle of Waterloo and also a chap called William Marshall who was this medieval knight that had this incredible long career and um, yeah so Privy Councillors we've given free access to those episodes and we found that actually that did quite a lot to increase uh, the numbers of people that wanted to do it because they thought well that's something worth getting but also it means that we've got to do episodes outside of our normal thing so it doesn't just have to be all the kings and queens of england and scotland we've got to do things like the battle like this medieval knight and we've got quite a few um lined up now and some very interesting and diverse topics i think hopefully that as well is a way that we're starting to be able to spread what we're doing but it's still part of the crowdfunding yeah that sounds like a lot of fun you get to kind of spread your wings a little bit in the history world Cool. So I never asked you, this is the question that I was going to ask, but then we got off on something else. I wanted to ask you about the story behind your podcast. How Mm. did you start podcasting and why this topic? Uh, Well, Ali and I um, were on a graduate scheme together, um, the same workplace, and both into similar sorts of things and also both into history. And uh, I think we both listened to a lot of podcasts as well. And I, I can't remember exactly how it started, but I think we just sort of had the idea of thinking it would be fun to do our own podcast. And I think we'd probably 
had one of those sort of typical sort of pub conversations about you know whether a certain monarch was better than another one and yeah and then we just sort of hit upon the idea of this as a podcast theme and uh, yeah it was quite quick really to develop we like both I think like the idea of rating them on the factors and um yeah, they just sort of developed from there. And then uh, the only thing we really struggled with was actually coming up with a name. But thankfully, a friend of mine, when I described it to him, just instantly texted me back and said Rex Factor. And then that was kind of the the click. We thought, yes, of course, that's it. That's exactly what we're doing. And then so we had an identity quite early on. Great. So how, if when you're looking back at your show when it first started and your show now, how, how do they compare? What's changed? Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny listening back to those early episodes. I think the only um, issue I sometimes have is that because we, you know, our thing is reviewing a different monarch each week, you sometimes can look back on the early episodes and think, oh, I could have done that a lot better. Because I think certainly I research them much more thoroughly now than I did like, at the very start when we were doing the, the Saxons in England. Um, so, yeah, I guess I've developed how I do the research quite a bit more I think we've sort of both got better in terms of maybe sort of working out what the structure is going to be I think we try to balance it a bit more between at the start we have the biography where I go through kind of I guess the key aspects of the reign and then the factors before we maybe did a lot of repetition because we talk about the same things in the factors and in the biography um but yeah, I guess it's just getting used to doing it ultimately is the thing. I think when you do your first few episodes, inevitably you're not going to be as fluent as when you're doing your hundred and however many one to now. So I think it's just getting used to the format, getting used to the process and getting used to speaking in front of a microphone, I think. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. Now, you mentioned earlier that the crowdfunding helped fund some improvements in your recording. Mm. Uh, you had some criticism about your sound. So I thought that was a good lead in to talking about your recording equipment, editing tools. What, are, what, what gadgetry do you use to put out the Rex Factor? Uh, so we're now using um, some Shure SM58, I think they're called, uh, microphones. Um, nice. So before we just had um, USB mics, which I think worked quite well, but because Ali and I record in the same room, so we just sort of had the one USB mic between us. So they tended to capture the whole of the room and then the whole of sort of everything outside for about a mile <laughs> radius or so. So because I'm on a main road and there's an awful lot of traffic, um, car noises and particularly sirens uh, would crop up quite a bit. So the new microphones, the SM58, is much sort of clearer. Ali and I have got one each, um, and it's much nicer and uh, sort of smoother sound. So I think we're both very happy with that. Uh, yeah, those are beautiful microphones for yeah. sure. And uh, yeah, we, so we record on a Apple Mac computer. It's just on GarageBand, which is the basic software which comes with Apple, which has worked quite well for us. So we haven't really needed to look at anything else uh, so far uh, for recording. Um, yeah, so I edit it all on GarageBand and then all quite easy uploading to Podbean. So I think other than the microphones, I think that's the only real big sort of technological change since we started. Nice. Doing it. Yeah, I like simple setups and that sounds like it works really well for you. Mm. So, um, so personal question, what do you do besides podcasting? Uh, I work uh, in local government, so I'm sort of, I guess, sort of project manager and sort of data analysis so nothing nothing to do with history whatsoever 
Um, Ali did for a time work at the uh, British Museum. So he was a, a sort of project manager in a couple of their sort of interesting events they've done in the last few years. I think one on a uh, Colombian gold exhibition and one on the history of Germany, um, both of which I think went down very well. But he's now sort of doing uh, doing his own thing with sort of property and stuff. So neither of us are really actually working in history. So for both of us, it's uh, an external hobby rather than a, a professional thing. Now, do you fall in the category of podcaster that would like to build this to something that's full-time and would support you? Or are you happy kind of keeping it as a hobby? Uh, I, I guess both, really. I, mean, I think if it ever were to be successful enough that it could just be what we were doing full-time, then, uh, yeah, that would be great just to be able to spend all the time just just doing the kings and queens and history stuff would be fantastic. But uh, it's not something that we're, I think, assuming is going to be happening. So I think we're both quite happy that this is something that we get to do in our spare time and it doesn't have to be the job and the only thing that we do. So as long as I think we both have the time to do it, we're quite happy to do it as and when we have the time. Yeah. What is? Um, what do you think the biggest lesson you've learned from your podcasting experiences? Ooh, that's a tricky question. Um, it could be about podcasting or about yourself. It could be anything. Um, I'm not sure about lesson. I mean, I suppose um, something that has been quite interesting is actually suppose, the amount of time that, well, for me, I guess that I've spent researching and then forming a narrative out of all of these things and being able to explain things and I guess for both of us we spent quite a lot of time speaking I guess sort of on air although it's recorded we don't do it live but it's something that's going out to uh, thousands of people I think that's actually quite a useful skill outside of the podcasting world it means I think we're both quite comfortable being able to talk um, to an audience in effect so I think we found when we've done some work um, with Rex Factor, actually, we sort of some rebranding work done. We had to do a talk to a sort of a group of a room full of students who are graphic designers who are going to be doing a project on rebranding Rex Factor. And it was strange. It was the first time that actually the two of us were there standing in front of an audience talking about it. Um, but you do become much more confident about that, I think. You get used to having a subject and delivering it to an audience, whether the audience is actually physically in front of you or on the other side of a computer. So I think that's not exactly a lesson, but it's sort of a life skill maybe that you sort of quite unwittingly can develop by doing something like this. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. That's a really good point. Okay, so if you were to give advice to another podcaster who wants to give their podcast the Rex factor, (laughs) (laughs) some great qualities, is there anything, any um, nugget of wisdom that you could give them? Um, I think I, th- I think the sound quality is something to get good quite early on, actually. So, I mean, you don't have to spend a huge amount of money. Um, I mean, actually, the um, microphones that we ended up getting weren't actually that much more expensive than the ones that we'd bought before. But I think getting getting things like that sorted at the start, so sort of the sound quality, the format of the podcast, and sort of what kind of tone you want to hit... Um, I guess that maybe there's something that we didn't really do at the start that we're still trying to catch up on, actually getting something sorted in terms of a website at the start. So, um, yeah, sort of all those bases, really, getting them set up before you start. Because, I mean, it may be that you start doing it and then after a few you think, oh, it doesn't work or, you know, it falls through. But if it is something that you're still doing in three or four years' time, then, you know, you might look back and regret that you didn't spend a bit more time early on getting everything set up. So I think 
getting things set up early and then it can it can develop in whatever way it does develop but you're in a much stronger position if you think about it at the start that is such good advice. I know lots of people just start talking into the mic. They're just so anxious to get started. Uh, I think I've been guilty of that in the past <laughs> that they just start and they you're right, they don't put a lot of thought into it and then I think they regret that mm. later. So that's that's incredibly good advice. All right, I have one more question for you. Okay. And this one might put you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> All right. Okay. But if there was a podcast about your life, Graham. Yes. What would it be called? Ooh, that is a tricky one. It's uh, it's also awkward because Graham is not an easy name to make a pun out of. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you immediately go to the pun. I like it. <laughs> we do instantly go for the pun. Uh, well, I guess I'd have to go for something with my surname. So the uh, the, the Duke of something, I think, would be the uh, the way to go. The uh, now I'd, I'd have to think about that one a little bit more, but I think Duke would definitely be in there somewhere. I think that's the word to make some kind of pun. Mm, off. I, I, a one name, you know, one word podcast like Serial Duke Serial. I mean that that could work. Yeah, or maybe just the Duke, and I think uh, that's uh, yeah, that's an imposing message. Right. Yeah, I think that that asks and de- oh no, that demands for instant respect. Exactly, and it still kind of links in with Lex Factor as well, so it's still within the brand. Yeah, you're you're really good at branding, I have to say. It doesn't sound like that is in your background, but it must come to you naturally. Yes, yeah, not uh, not not the visual stuff, which is why we've uh, had to go for some other people to help us with the uh, logo and stuff. But yeah, I think uh, the thematic element uh, seems to be something that we uh, we hit on. I think it's liking puns. I think that helps. <laughs> I am also a lover of puns. I get criticized for that. Um, not everybody believes it's a higher form of humor, but I'm a huge pun lover. Yeah, I think it's only only the people that struggle with them. They don't appreciate the uh, the art of, of punning. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so before we go, I need you to tell everyone out there uh, how to find you, you uh, find your find and listen to your show. Where can they find you online? Uh, so we're on uh, Podbean, if you've got the Podbean app, obviously, or uh, rexfactor.podbean.com. Uh, Rex Factor is available on iTunes, um, so you can find us there. And we also have a blog, rexfactor.com. Uh, dot wordpress.com um, and we're on twitter at rex factor pod and facebook rex factor podcast that's perfect thank you so much for making us all smarter podcasters today oh, and thank you very much for having me it's been uh, it's been lovely okay well now i've got to go listen to another episode of rex factor because i haven't listened to one yet where um, anybody's earned the rex factor status ah well i'd, I'd recommend if anyone wants to think of a, an episode to start with a, a fun one that ali and i both enjoyed a lot was a king called charles the uh, second who is known yeah. as the merry monarch he's a lot of fun oh that's good to know because I, I like to put a recommended episode um link in the our show notes so i'll make sure to include ah, that <laughs> Yeah, as well as links to everything that you mentioned and that we talked about. Uh, Again, thank you so much and good luck with your podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!